There's a mystery to untangle Using comedy as our angle We'll reveal the quest of a special guest With a little jesting We'll be demystifying the expert Using laughter as our guide Demystifying the expert Till our questions have been satisfied And the expert has been well demystified Hello, everybody. This is a physicist speaking, but don't go away. This is no lecture and not a quiz. We're here to deliver laughter. So we're here to present a comedy show where we dissect some top-notch science and the people who do it, the scientists. So this is basically your chance to hang out with both scientists and also comedians. And you won't even know you're learning because we're going to do this through a series of games. So we're live from Harrisonburg, Virginia at uh, Taylor Down Under, and I'm your host, Kendra Weaver. So I'm a computational materials physicist. I'm a professor to many of the folks in the audience who might be here to earn some extra credit, and I'm also a mom of soon-to-be-three, and thus, therefore, I am not a comedian. So because we are trying to present laughter, we've invited here for you a panel of three comedians from the crew of locally and organically grown, one and only, new and improved JMU's comedy troupe, who's been successfully bringing you laughs ever since their founding in 1998. So here we have for you tonight, Marin Genghis Khan Duffy, a senior studio art major concentrating on graphic design. She's currently working on a comic called Ginny, the girl that looks like a robot. It is semi-autobiographical and coming soon. We also have Kat Yogi Spiranio, who's a sophomore with more wonder about the world than a toddler who's just gone outside for the first time. She is the future of new and improv, and we're so happy to have her here tonight. And finally, um, we have Ethan Dungeon Master Schultz, a senior SMAD major with a digital video and cinema concentration who is no stranger to demystifying the expert. Recently, Ethan started a new quest into the world of archaeology. Ask him about what movie to go see. Evidently not The Incredibles or what dinosaur is his favorite. You're bound to learn something new either way. And of course, we have a mystery scientist to demystify. And today, we're very grateful to have with us Professor Nathan Wright, who's been at JMU in the chemistry department as faculty since the fall of 2011. He got an undergraduate degree at Haverford College, where he was able to explore his passion for hacky sacks and frisbee golf, and then followed that up with graduate and doctoral degrees at the University of Pennsylvania, University of Maryland, Baltimore, and then a research appointment at Johns Hopkins University. So today I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction to Dr. Wright's research, and then we're going to play some games where you learn more about it. So Dr. Wright's research focuses on structural biology and biochemistry. So when you think structural biology, you might think that Dr. Wright studies the biologies of structures, like trees, but that's not quite right. Instead, Dr. Wright studies structures inside human bodies, such as muscular tissue, and how structures like muscles function on a molecular le level. So by studying the chemistry of this tissue at the molecular scale, his group tries to understand how these tiny interactions between molecules lead to changes at the scale of proteins, then at the scale of cells, and finally how these small changes can massively disrupt the function of organs like the heart particularly disruptions in the careful balance between strength and flexibility of muscles can lead to diseases like muscular dystrophy and cardiomyopathy, which can be potentially fatal. 
In fact, these are diseases that sometimes kill you before you even know you have them. So this is serious material, but we're going to try to put a comedy spin on it as we learn more about Dr. Wright's research and how it could potentially be allow allowed these diseases to be cured by developing new methods of gene therapy and novel medications. So um, now that we've heard a little bit about your research, do you comedians have any questions that you would like to ask that follow up on his research topic? Which uh, disease is the scariest? The arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy. Because that's like, at least that, I, that I'm studying. Because that, that's the one that like, you hear about basketball players running down the court and they just like drop down dead. It's the, usually the first sign that you have it is when you die. That's, that's a, you know, it's one of those things to keep you up at night. That's, that's kind of heavy. Pass. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think I knew a guy who died from that. Sad, but. <laughs> okay, so good. This is this is a good comedy route. I, I like I like the way I like the way this is going. <laughs> it's time for our next game, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so in this game, <laughs> in this game, what we're gonna do is we are going to think about what the media actually says about. The, the research in your field. And so to do that, we are going to play a new game. And that new game is called Guess the Headlines. And here, what we're going to do is we're going to project some headlines for you. And it's going to be up to our comedians to go ahead and decide what the blanks in the headline should be. And if we need a little bit of help, you know, comedians, if you get stumped, you're welcome to ask the audience for a little bit of help chiming in. So let's get started with our first headline. Our first headline is, my blank was actually a rare heart condition. My achy breaky heart <laughs> was actually a rare heart condition. My asthma was actually a rare heart condition. My so weird mole was actually a rare heart condition. Your weird mole? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, none of us said a one word. Oh. <laughs> um. Blood. My blood was actually a rare heart condition. Am I getting closer? My, uh, my daughter was actually a rare heart condition. <laughs> My fifth, no, my sixth, dang it, that's two words. Um, I was going to say sixth toe, but, um, okay, um, my unibrow was actually a rare heart condition. All right, do we want to have the answer now? Yeah, I'll take some answer. All right, let's see. My anxiety was actually a rare heart condition. So, expert? Yeah, so that disease where you drop down dead, sometimes you know about it beforehand and your heart sort of just beats, um, just not beat, 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 like beat, 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 beat. That's, arrhythmogen that, that's the arrhythmic part of the arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy. Sort of like when you eat an entire pizza? I'd say like right before a test, more likely. You know, you're oh, like, okay. oh my God, oh my God. And, and you know, you can sort of feel your heart doing fluttering around. But some people have like different experiences. Right, that, that might just be you. Okay. <laughs> hmm. 
So let's try looking at our next headline. There's a blank blank, which means 35 million people have a heart that is at risk of failing. There's a big problem, which means 35 million people have a heart and risk of failing. There's a smoker's lung, (laughs) which means 35 million people have a heart that is at risk of failing. This is a hard one. (laughs) There's a gravity problem, which means 35 million people have a heart that is at risk of failing. Oh, I know. There's an obesity problem. That's probably true. So I hear hear from our expert that is probably true, But. but I don't think it's what the headline says. So let's see what the headline says. There's a genetic mutation, which means 35 million people have a heart that is at risk of failing. So, expert, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so, so that disease I was talking about, it's not like you can catch it. So it's something that's actually already in your, your, your genome. And so a lot of people that have these sorts of diseases, they're, they have family histories of people, of this stuff happening. And so, yeah, that's just one of, there's probably thousands of genetic mutations that do it, but it's only been recently that we've been able to say, oh, yeah, this particular thing causes you to die at age, you know, 45. Hmm. Are there, like, um, tags on our genes that can, like, get triggered by, like, certain things that would cause this to happen more so than... Well, right, so it's part, it's part in your genome and part is also, like, how you live your life. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Although a lot of people that have that particular disease they end up, it ends up becoming exacerbated when you exercise. So it's like the opposite of what you think. Like if you are a couch potato, you're much better off. Okay. So just to be safe. Right, just, obvi- just obviously. stay on the couch all That's day. what I'm clearly suggesting. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Check in the box. All right. So let's go to our last headline. Blank with science. <laughs> This is not at all challenging. <laughs> Fun with science? Ooh, good. Well, yeah, that, that's my student. That, that's, that's Taylor. You guys recognize Taylor? <laughs> Who also right now is, so she was my student. She graduated this past year. And, and when you hear like the, uh, have you been to football games? There's a stadium. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> at the beginning, they have like one of those, like, this is JMU and we're wonderful. She's like the voiceover for that, like <gasps> at the beginning of the football games right now. Voiceover with science. No. <laughs> uh, Taylor with science. That's close. The, the first one was actually pretty close. All right. So one last guess. They said the first one was close. So fun. Awesome with science. All right. I'm sorry. It's it, it's a good it's a good guess, but the answer is dancing with science. And I have no idea why they chose that. Like, I guess our the molecules we look at wiggle a little bit. Like we sort of like can see them on a computer screen, and if you basically do some computer stuff to them, you can make them like wiggle around. It sort of looks to, I, maybe I can't actually. I don't know why they call can it. Can you dancing. demonstrate a atom dance? Well, just you just sort of move, and I'm I'm a truly horrible dancer. So, <laughs> as as my as my wife says, <laughs> but you just sort of wiggle, yeah. 
uh, our next game. But first, to whet your appetite for what comes next and also our podcast series, previous shows that Demystified has run has demystified a nuclear physicist who's a world champion at showing guppies, a string theorist singing Bohemian Rhapsody. I think I know that guy. Um, A geologist who passed his first semester of college with a whopping GPA of 1.04, and an astronomer who may as well be called the Trump of Charlottesville, and many others. Okay, so let's move on to our jargon and acronym game. And so in the the field of structural biology and biochemistry, there's a vast vocabulary which consists of specialist and technical terms. And so you heard some of them already in the names of the disease that uh, we talked about earlier. And there's also a lot of jargon which are really common and they're so, so they're kind of part of the culture of science But um, some of them may seem to be common English, but others might seem like a foreign language. And so we want you to start thinking about what the meaning of this jargon is and how it relates to the the field that our expert studies. And so let's explore some of these. And so let's start out with one option. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to tell you some letters. And comedians, you're going to try to guess what it is that those letters stand for. So those are not going up on the screen. Um, what I'm going to do is tell you. So H-M-N-M-R. H-M-N-M-R. Human muscular nerves measure... Wait, H M N M. Am I on the third M? So I just have to have an R. Yeah. Rope. H M N M R. Happy muscles. Now. What's the M? Make no. Now, harness. M? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Masculate Renergy. Masculate. <laughs> okay. H M N M R. Humans make no money right now. <laughs> Were any of those even just individually correct or close? No. So this is uh, heteronuclear multidimensional nuclear magnetic resonance. What? Ob- obviously. <laughs> it's just like, so, so heteronuclear. Heteronuclear. That means there's two nuclei. Yeah. Okay. Multidimensional. Many dimensions. Yes. Nuclear. Nuclear. Like there's electrons, and then the middle is a nucleus. Ah, not like a, a weapon. No, no, not like... Cool, cool. Um, magnetic. Magnetic. It's, it's um, like, yeah. Oh. And resonance. Oh. Like, the same. Yeah, like poignancy. So lots of no. atoms that are the same? <laughs> lots of atoms that are the same. Or similar, sure, yes. Okay, cool. Yes. <laughs> All right, so good job. So let's move on. What do you use it for? So you know how I said that like we see the atoms wiggle? Yeah. Well, yeah. We have to actually see the atoms wiggle. So we have to like actually, we can, with this thing, you can go in and you can actually, with some analysis, say, oh, here's an atom here and here's an atom here and here's an atom here. And you can use all these experiments to actually see the, how the atoms in your muscles are doing their thing. 
So what I'm getting at is that you're like the DJ that makes the Adams dance. I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right. Okay, DJ. Um, so let's spin a new track, which would be um, uh, H-O-H-A-H-A. Ho, or ha, ho, ha, ha. Ho, ha, ha. <laughs> That's how Santa laughs. Um, uh, human, omniscient, ha- hereditary, ambiguity, harness, amoebas. Um... Heterogeneous. Um, okay, I'm really pulling back all this eighth grade knowledge here. Hetero, heterogeneous um, ostriches, harmonized, and um, hangry apples. Okay, uh, homologous. I don't even know how to say it. Homologous? (laughs) Ocular hydrogen atoms hesitate afar. Okay, close. So it's actually, it's, it's, um, it's people's names. It's, it's like um, Hohenstein and Hahnemann and Hart. And it's one of those heteronuclear multidimensional experiments that we can do to, again, sort of get the addresses of where, where atoms are. That's what you're doing, right? Well, you just did that. And you. It's also the same thing as a toxi. Oh, a toxi. If, if only if, it had only been presented a toxi instead of a ho- as a, a toxi ho-ha-ha. instead of a ho-ha-ha. Yes. <laughs> All right. So... Um, now one more, and so for this one, we are going to use uh, SMD. So what is that? Not too many letters, so maybe uh, you'll keep track of them this time. <laughs> this one's embarrassing because I actually know what this one means. Um, it stands for subject material disease. Um, science, math, do it. (laughs) Systematic meters, diplomats. (laughs) Yeah. So so that's steered molecular dynamics. Oh. Obviously. Obviously. So you can do stuff in a computer like a computer simulation to basically make your atoms wiggle and dance as well. But a lot of times we want to see what happens. And since we're working with muscle cells, they stretch. So we'll take our little things that are wiggling around and start stretching them out. And that's, that's a steered part. We're, we're making it do something. So we're trying to see basically how the springs in muscle, how your muscles spring and then sort of snap back. So we use that to do that. I have a science question. Um, whose muscles are you using for all this stuff? It turns out it's really hard to get students to volunteer. To, no, we, uh, <laughs> we take genes from, uh, from humans and we put them into bacteria and have the bacteria make the human genes. So then, because it's a lot easier to sacrifice a couple billion bacteria than a couple of, you know, million undergraduate arms. So you grow the muscles? 
Well, they're not full muscles. They're just bacteria. Okay. They don't. They just look like your chicken soup when it goes bad. Like it's. I mean, that's sort of what it looks and smells like. But inside of them are little hum, are human proteins or human uh. bits of human bit. Yeah, bits of human, but not enough to make them human. Is that what stem cells are? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So stem cells are actually your cells, like they're actually human cells, whereas these are entirely bacteria. So stem cells are things that, like, you have a stem cell that, if it's early enough, it could make, say, a bone or a muscle or whatever you want it to make if you put it in the right conditions. Do you think Johns Hopkins owes the family of Henrietta Lacks any money? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Those who know, know. That, that, that is Thank a good Thank you, <laughs> I think that was in the high school reading curriculum. Was though. it? Yeah. I it my school. students had never heard of that before. Oh, she's thrilling not. story. Very beautiful. <laughs> be it's a good book. It, it's that's a good. It is a good book. I think they made it into a lifetime movie too. I think they, was it like Oprah. On it? it was Oprah. On yeah, it? I think I think Oprah's on. It. So it, it was this. The story was about is was in the fifties. I think. Yeah. And uh, th- there's a an African American woman in Baltimore who had cervical cancer. Went to get treated. She died, but they before she died, they cultured some of uh, that her cancer and started growing it up in a dish, like just a glass bottom dish. And most before that, every time they'd done it, human cells died. But her cells, for whatever reason, I think it was a really aggressive cancer, they lived. And so then they were able to take her cells and basically they have kept her cell line, so like cells of her alive from the 50s to now, and now they're used worldwide. The thing is, though, that the family was never really notified, and the you know, at some point somebody called them up and said, like, do you realize that your grandmother's cells are still alive? And they interpreted it as saying that we've been keeping your grandmother, like, alive <laughs> in a dish, which is not really true. I mean, some of her cancer cells are alive, but it's it's been this thing of, like, well... <clears throat> you took these cells without ever telling the family what's going on, and it's been, like, tons of research has been done on it, but the original family was never compensated at all, and there was a whole lot of, like, issues with Baltimore back then anyway. Like, one of the stories they told is that, um, like, the African Americans in that area used to be told uh, that if they, um, like, their kids, they, they told their kids that if they're bad, they'd send them to the Hopkins doctor. So there's really not good relationship between the doctors and the surrounding area because of stuff like that. Wow. It's, it's a really cool book. I remember liking it in 11th grade. I read it in college. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I never read, I never read it, so... So thank you for that, that fascinating story. And so we've, we've moved uh, through sort of some understanding of what it is that you do for research. So we would like to learn a little bit more about the human behind all of this beautiful science. And so the next game is going to allow us to figure out exactly um, what uh, Professor Wright has lived. And so the way that that's going to work is we are going to give you three facts about his past, and they're going to be personal and career-related. And so for each set of these facts, two of these things are real, and one of them is a lie. And so you all are going to read the facts, and then you are going to try to guess which one of these facts is actually a lie. So go for it. Everyone's life is full of twists and turns, but I bet you've never had a downtown downturn like Professor Wright had. He had once 
He was once banned from Walmart. How did that happen? After a routine eye exam, he requested to take the prescription to another vendor. Upon a very contentious back and forth, he abruptly snatched the prescription from the vendor's hand and ran outside the store with security in close pursuit. Needless to say, he was admonished to, I think I said that word right, to never come back. Dr. Professor? Dr. Professor Wright claims to be uncoordinated for sports, so he opted for track and field in high school and college, which arguably does not require much dexterity. Does not require much dexterity. Um, like everything else in life, he took his track and field practice very seriously. For example, one summer he trained for the competitions not around the track or some nice woods near his home, but by running 324 miles between Wyoming and New Mexico. He did this, he did all that in less than seven days. Okay, Forrest Gump. Um, Since very early age, Professor Wright has cultivated a passion for music. He plays the piano, a little bit of guitar, and harmonica. But what he really loves is singing in classic barbershop quartets. While a student at Harvard College... Haverford. (laughs) Sorry, don't mean to gaslight you there. Uh, His uh, Gig Masters Quartet won the first prize at the National Barbershop Competition in Atlanta, singing the wildly popular Ain't That a Kick in the Head. Too bad his pals are not here to sing for us. Well, actually, as it would happen, I do know that song. So, like, if you needed some backup, I can confirm. It's Dean Martin. I have a cold. Okay. All right. Um, So I think that this is a lie. I don't think it's the truth. This is a lie. People don't leave Wyoming. I've been there. (laughs) And I've narrowly escaped. (laughs) He did not run that much. No one does. I definitely think this could plausibly happen. The Walmart thing. It sounds like it could happen. So um, I vote Ethan's. Is it three lies or two three lies? Two lies, two truths and a lie. Two truths and, truth and a lie. So, so two of these. He yeah, two of these are true. Like he has a cold. Can I see your fingers? Those are piano fingers. Uh, I know them when I see them. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> um, he said he doesn't dance though, and I feel like singing and dancing are like correlated. Like, because if you sing, you're like, you're okay with moving your body, and he seems... Well, I'm okay with moving my body. I just am not good at it. That's... (laughs) Here's my thinking, guys, is is when you're in a barbershop quartet, there's a little bit of of coordinated movement in that. Um, And frankly, I think it would be lame if this was the truth at this point. (laughs) So I I, I really think it's the lie. No, wait, I'm still kind of hung up. (laughs) (sighs) Fine. Fine, I give up. You've convinced me. Are we right? So tell them, are you Yeah, yeah, so so you are right. Yeah! Yeah. You ran? ran? Yeah, I ran across Colorado. Uh, It was from Laramie down to, I can't remember the name of the New Mexico. Okay, so you did like corner to corner. You didn't do the whole Wyoming to New Mexico. That was the whole Wyoming. It was like over the mountains, and it it was like... 60, 70 miles a day, most days, that except for one awful. day that was like all uphill, it was like 24 miles. <laughs> was it like a fun experience in retrospect? It was a fun experience at the time. Oh. <laughs> it, I mean, you just run, you're running all day. Like, it's just 
like I, one day we were started running and there was a tree in the distance. And at the end of the day, that same tree was still in the distance. It was just a long flat road in, in some part in Southern Colorado. So you didn't traverse the Rocky Mountains in we this did. run? No. We was were, it really cold up there? Yeah, we were, it was in the June or no, August. And, but, and, but, you know, we're running, so it's, but there was plenty of snow on the ground. So you ran for 24-7, basically. No, no, it was like 12 hours a day. And then you sleep on, like, church pews. Interesting. So. Hmm. I'm still skeptical. This sounds too fake. I can't, I can't imagine. Do you still run? No. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so you stole something from Walmart? No, I, didn't, I did not steal it from Walmart. It was my own prescription. I had paid for it. It seems like it should be mine, but apparently it wasn't. And this is what I tried to explain to my wife, who then got mad at me. Someone get her a mic. <laughs> so you didn't steal from Walmart. No, I, on I stole that my, I, I stole. I guess I, I had paid for something and took my information that was mine, and then I told the security people about. Yeah, the problem was he told them what he thought about it. Right. The, I, I tend to tell people if I think they're stupid, and this guy was stupid. And my face tends to do that for me. And I can it, relate I mean, to them. Anyway, so. So now we have a whole nother set of two truths and a lie. So you get to do this one more time. You've just done so many fabulous things in your life. Dr. Wright first met his wife. Everyone look at her. uh, First met his wife when he was a college student working in a lab. To him, she was such an electrifying vision that he got his fingers stuck in a test tube holder. If this was not embarrassment enough, the second time he met her, he accidentally super glued his hand on the wall. She obviously was not bothered by the clumsy aspiring scientist and has stuck with him to this day and is... And this is a love stronger than super glue. Aww. Aww. It was that runner physique. <laughs> when you listen to doctor, professor, doctor, doctors, right, calmly lecturing his students, you would not suspect the many adventures that have brought him here. In one of these episodes, professor, doctor, doctor, right, found himself having to learn to drive. What? Did I, did I miss out a doctor? Oh, Dr. Professor. Got it. Um, Having to learn how to drive stick shift while traveling through the war zone in South Ostia. Ostia? Trying to see if you can give me Osti. Asisha. Asisha. Thank you. Trying to read the facial expressions. Um, A disputed region between Russia and the Republic of Georgia. If you thought you had to work hard to get your driver's license, try doing it in a war zone in a foreign country. Everyone at some point will enjoy a five minutes of fame. To Dr. Wright, it happened when he was a postdoc at Johns Hopkins University back in 2010. His advisor, Dr. Schlerbach. <laughs> it's like, it's like Childbach, but there's an S in front. And Childbach had... Dr. Schildbach had been invited to the studios of PBS NewsHour to talk about the H1N1 flu pandemic. (laughs) 
but missed his first flight returning from a conference in California. After some quick deliberation, he dispatched Dr. Wright, then only a senior researcher in his lab, to speak in his place on national television. So you spoken on the television. <laughs> that is what I got from that. Well, I think that one's a truth. I think yours is a truth. I think mine's a lie. I think, I think he did drive through South Ostia, but I don't think it was when he was getting his driver's license. I was going to say, mine is too cute to be a lie. If this was a lie, this person should be writing romantic comedy movies. They should not be writing these little pieces of paper for this. They have bigger, bigger dreams ahead. Yeah, I feel like mine is pretty true because I feel like the details could be true um i don't know the h1n1 flu like and that was in 2010 like i remember that so i feel like yeah i don't know i feel like i feel like that could have been true and it's only national television like it's not austria or whatever australia, yeah australia <laughs> <laughs> he drove through South Australia. <laughs> all right, so the vote verdict. Woo! All right. Uh, no, that that's true. That's, what? So the the one with the, the news hour. That's the false oh. one. Oh. So so there. Explain. Well, yeah, which yeah. about which one? The I fact that I one. can't that my wife somehow married me, even though. <laughs> You'd have to ask her more about that than me. I'm curious about the South Austria. So, so, I'll set you. So yeah. my, my brother was in the Peace Corps in Georgia, and Georgia, the Republic of Georgia is basically run by warlords, and it's partially taken over by the Soviet Union. Oh, no. And driving, a, or Russia, I guess, not the Soviet Union. So driving across it, at some point, it takes a long time, and I guess... My dad was driving. He said, like, okay, it's your turn. It's like, I don't know how to drive sticks. Like, well, you better quick because there's tanks behind us. Oh. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> how old were you? No, this, is, this is only like 10 years ago. I was going to be like last month. It wasn't that long ago? Okay, well, she was, she was alive. So this is, this is not me getting my driver. Oh. This, is, this is recent. But okay. I didn't learn how to drive a stick shift because I, I oh, kind of got empathetic. So. I don't know how to either. <laughs> so we're both like, pathetic. Well, well, I do now because I had to because I had no choice because there was a tank behind me. I guess I'm just pathetic then. <laughs> so, so. I'm also pathetic. <laughs> Third to be okay. pathetic, so. <laughs> but I've never been tested in such a way. It, it wasn't exciting. Oh yeah. And then we, like we got over a bridge and my, my brother's like, oh, we're safe now because we're in the warlord's territory and he keeps things that are under pretty good under control, much better than like the Russians do. The it's real like, government. Yeah, because well, apparently there was only one road in and out of it and if the other people tried to invade, they just blow up the one bridge over it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the Dark Knight Rises. So that it's happens. Like, okay. <laughs> was Bane nice when you met him? <laughs> What? Was Bane nice when you met him in South Australia? No, Osetia. Osetia. <laughs> All right. Okay. So now that we've learned a little bit more about Dr. Wright, let's move on. It is your turn, comedians, to uh, to pr to be Dr. Wright. You will be. You have a chance to model what you have learned using this lovely prop, which is back over here. So bring that up to the front. Oh, no, you don't need to get out of the way. We're here to watch. If you would like, I, I, you are welcome to perform and uh, 
and participate. I believe you participated. I did, did participate. I remember when that. When I was the expert, I did participate. It was a lot of fun. But you've had experience doing I mean, I'm going to admit, I have been really curious to see you reenact this adventure that happened when you were banned from Walmart. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you don't have to if you don't want to. So I'm going to go ahead and let the comedians take the stage here. Hey, hey, Professor, look what me and the other kids made. Is it quirky? <laughs> look, it's a big cutout of your, of your face. <laughs> I, just, I just got done running. I haven't done that in years. <laughs> Wow, you guys really went all out on, on me over there. Hey, well, you know what they say about hard work. Uh, it, was w it was one of those papers you publish mainly because you've done all that work. Uh, the work, the hard work. Wow, yeah. That's like in my, my class yesterday how I said, I don't know how I'm going to spin this one. I actually... <laughs> Professor, doctor, sir, I actually had a question about last lecture. Um, my dad wants me to be a doctor, only if I'll get so far. See, yeah, that's, that's hard, because honestly, your test scores don't really show any promise, but I think, I think if, why can the chemist not take the requisite numbers of atoms and simply put them together? If you can answer that question, maybe you're, you're worth doctor material. Kevin will never answer that question. Don't taunt him, you know he's stupid, okay? This was a fortunate arrangement right here. Not only did Prof Wright teach me how to handle proteins in the laboratory, they are far more delicate than inorganic substances, but he also gave me a great amount of information about the diminutive proteins. You know what? Well, Prof Wright taught me how to drive stick shift in Austria. Actually, actually, Kevin, it's Austeria. No, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Tarzmania. Professor Wright, I thought we, I thought we were gonna go driving in Australia. I I thought we, I thought I was your favorite student. You know, I got a truth bomb for you, Prof. Um, stimulations aren't real, and the real experiments suck. So say that to your dancing molecules. Okay, Kevin, this is what I have to say back to your quip, yeah. whip, uh, uh -huh. quip. If I crystallize a virus to obtain a crystal consisting of the molecules that make up the virus, are those molecules lifeless or not? Yes. <laughs> Shut up, Kevin, okay? You know what? No, no. I'm, I'm tired of this, okay? Life is not found in atoms or molecules or genes as such. But in organization, not in symbiosis, but in synthesis. Robert. So why won't you teach me how to drive your car? That was the most beautiful thing I've heard since my dad told me to grab the steering wheel like my life depended on it. And it's also the most beautiful thing that I've heard ever since I told that guy at Walmart that I thought he was a dumb doo-doo head. <laughs> oh. Professor, I was there when you were at Walmart, and you didn't tell him that he was a doo-doo head. You said that one of the most interesting aspects of protein research is the indication that um, these huge molecules exhibit phenomenon uh, that we ordinarily consider possibly one of the living organisms. Kevin, I couldn't even understand what you were saying. In your letter, you apply the word imponderable to a molecule, and don't do that again. Well, your mom's imponderable. Oh, boo 
Douche prof right. Okay, Douche. Robert, Robert, if you do that, I'm not going to take you to Austereo. Oh, me. yeah? Well, guess what? The discovery of an interaction among the four hemes made it obvious that they must be touching. But in science, what is obvious is not necessarily true. And it's not true that you're not going to take me to Austria <laughs> because you like me and roasted. Boom, roasted. You well, know what? And what else? I should like I, I should like to compare the arrangement which the proteins undergo in the animal or vegetable organisms to make up the railroad train. Just like the chemical organics, chemical organic chemicals. Um, one of the most striking evidences of the reliability of my methods of determining molecular structure is Did the you mean reliability, Professor Wright? Um, please don't interrupt me when I'm trying to speak. Uh, okay. Dumb doo-doo head. Uh, that one was long. Uh, this one's also long. We have been having a lot of fun in our work on the structure of proteins. But there now seems to be a pretty general agreement that some of our structures are correct. Although a few people, namely the non-JMU scientists, are still complaining, like you two. Um, just because we're from John Hopkins doesn't mean we're evil. You know, they have lots of good things to say about John Hopkins, such as, but not excluding, when life gives you lemons, you ask for something higher in proteins. That's what they say about okay, us Kevin, and John. Okay, that Kevin, that was a really good... That was really good um, all I have to respond to that is, I like it to be loud in here. Why are you all so quiet today? Okay, well, if you want noise, I'll give you some. Hit you with a little question I have. <clears throat> what is fire? It's a mystery. Scientists give us gobbledygook about friction and molecules, but they don't really know. Do you, prof? All I know is about the atoms and the muscles, and I don't know much else. Tell us more about the muscles and the heart diseases, Dr. Professor, sir, sir, doctor. Well, what I have to say about the muscles are you are the pre-med type, aren't you? Just because I have a trust fund, sir, doesn't mean I'm not going to not get into law school at a health convention. Hey, guess, guess what, Professor? When you weren't looking, I just take a whole, I took a whole bunch of your stem cells. I'm not going to give you any money for them. That's ridiculous. That is, that is almost as crazy as atoms and molecules from their very nature can never be made the objects of sensuous contemplation. Once in third grade, my, my teacher told me that atoms are the building block of matter. <laughs> and I don't know. Clearly your teacher was wrong. She must have meant, come hang out in the lab and all of a sudden you are doing science. Well, that's suspicious from a third grade teacher. <laughs> I think what she was getting at, though, is that almost all aspects of life are engineered at the molecular level. And without understanding molecules, we can only have a very sketchy understanding of life itself. And that's probably why she wanted to kick it in the cool teacher lounge. That's very true, Robert. If you built it, they will come. Okay. <laughs> Wait, professor, sir. Ha ha ha, you don't know this yet, but soon you will. Oh, oh you got me there. <laughs> a great deal of the universe does not need any explanation, children. Ain't that Elephants, for instance, once molecules have learned to complete, to compete and to create other molecules in their own image, 
elephants and things resembling elephants will in due course be found roaming around the countryside. Some of the things resembling elephants will be men. Do you get that, children? No, but Bill Nye said something very similar once. And I just wanted to end this saying, can we get those three extra credit points? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Hey, professor, I put a bucket on my head. How do you feel about that? It nope. had all your stem cells in it. Can't drive in Austereo with the helmet on your head like that, now can you? But can we still go steal things from Walmart? Sure. Cool. <laughs> All right. And with that, thank you very much to our comedians. I would like to invite you all to share something that you have learned today um, from the discussion that we've had up here. So should I go first? You can go for go first. Um, I learned about a scary heart disease that you find out you get after you die. And I also learned that Marin might know someone who had that disease. Oh, yeah. Well, I learned that Adams do, in fact, dance just like me alone in my bedroom. <laughs> I learned that when you try to look smart on the science podcast by referencing the one science book that you feel sort of relates to what you're talking about, everyone will say that it's high school level reading material. <laughs> and so that sucks. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much to our comedians. Um, so this is the end of our show, but Woo. I would like to mention that programs like this are possible thanks to the generous support of people who understand the power of educating the world on how science works, why it matters, and for this, we are very grateful to Mr. Edward Rice, who's a member of the JMU Board of Visitors, and to the Physics and Astronomy Department, as well as to the College of Science and Math here at JMU. Also, everything that sounds good on these recordings is thanks to our sound engineer, Maven. Um, we also want to mention that this program was inspired by the You're the Expert show, which you should definitely check out on iTunes or SoundCloud, but not before you exhaust our program's offerings. And so just as usual, um, this particular expert's name um, was just popped right out of the hat of experts who live here at JMU. And so you may know some of them from the classroom. And so you'll never know who's going to show up next. And so thank you very much for coming. Our next event is going to be November the 6th. So put it on your calendars. You may get some more extra credit points for coming. <laughs> have a good night, everyone. And if you like the comedy you saw here today, we have a show right here in TDU, 8 p.m. on Friday. There's a mystery to untangle Using comedy as our angle We'll reveal the quest of a special guest With a little jesting We'll be demystifying the expert Using laughter as our guide Demystifying expert till our questions have been satisfied and the expert has been well demystified